Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Kieran Rogers. And I'm Daniel Rolls. And today, Daniel, we've got a very exciting guest. We have. We have the world-famous Neil Schaefer, social media expert. And my, my favourite bit of this story is if somebody comes and how did you get Neil Schaefer on your podcast? Neil actually approached us and said, I would love to be on your podcast. And we were just a bit blown away. Going, what? Oh, I wish you could have been there when I got the email. I'm like, what? Actually, I did the second time. I thought, that name's familiar. Why do I know that name? I had to Google him. I had to Google him. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, Neil. Yeah. That's very okay. funny. So, so Neil's come to speak to us about his new book. So tell us a little about it, Kieran. Yeah, so it's called The Age of Influence, The Power of Influencers. And as you'll hear, I purchased a copy purchased a, an audio copy i've been listening to it whilst i've been walking the dog in lockdown and it, it it's just a really great book honestly I, you will hear me talk about it in the interview as well but if you've been listening to our previous episodes on influencer marketing you may have picked up that i've somewhat fell out of love with the whole influencer world to say the yeah. least <laughs> it's not you, you literally say the word influencer marketing in his I face kind of like, it's yeah. like a, a bulldog that I swallows know. a wasp i know it's really a sure way to upset me and that, that was the sting in the tail with neil's email like, oh he's talking about inf- oh, okay and I, actually i only agreed to do it because he is who he is but i'm so glad i did and actually reading his book literally did make me fall back in love with the whole prospect of influence and marketing He's, that is quite a recommendation no, it is and I, I yeah i can't in fact i i need to write an amazon review for it because it is it is that good one thing about neil's stuff is it's always really practical everything he writes everything you see on his on his blog is really really hands-on and practical which is something we kind of really like so i thought yeah from that perspective and from what you've told me about the interview and having listened back to it, it is just there's some really good insights in there as well. So I think it's well worth a listen. So over to Kieran and Neil. Today, listeners, we are talking about influence. And I'm delighted to have on the line a digital and social media marketing speaker, consultant, author and educator, Neil Schaefer. Hello, Neil. Hey, Kieran. How's it going? Ah, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. Now, Neil, you have just published uh, a book called The Age of Influence, The Power of Influencers. And I, I know your aim in writing this book was to create the definitive book on influencer marketing. And so Neil, Neil got in touch with me and said, hey, could we do something on the podcast? And I'm proper excited that you, that you did, actually, because actually influencer marketing is something I've, I'll be honest, I've struggled with it. It's not one of my favourite subjects, but I think my bad reaction to it is has been some of the worst excesses of how not to do it that I've seen going on within the industry. And I think I had closed my mind to influence marketing until, until about five days ago when I started reading your book. And my goodness, I'm actually enthused and excited about it again. But before we get into this, please, please share with us something that no, very few people know about you. I just want to kind of break the ice and get to know the real Neil. Well, you know, I've I've been asked that on other podcasts, so slowly there's very few things <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, so I speak fluent Japanese and Mandarin Chinese. These are things I picked up in in university and wow. my first few years of my career. Um, yeah. I also, when uh, living in Japan for 15 years, I picked up the drums and drummed for a band, and we even put out two CDs. So, what like just kind of classic rock. Drums or, or like special Japanese drums? It was, uh, I would say our band was pop 
funk. So a, <laughs> a, a female pop voice uh, rock song with a acid jazz funk backbeat, very influenced by a mix of Jamiroquai with. <laughs> so yeah, it was a mix. I'm loving it. I love it. Can we can we link to any of your stuff? Have you got like SoundCloud or is there any stuff on Spotify? You know, it was way before those days. So <laughs> I do have copies of the CD. I'll have to get out of it. I can right. MP3 files if you're interested. We should do it. So it sounds yeah. like sounds like music to do marketing to. This could be this could be a thing. This could be a thing. <laughs> launch you a whole new career here. So Neil, how is social media marketing changing in 2020? Well. Every year, Karen, if you're in the space, people reach out to you and say, we're writing a blog post. Give us your predictions for the next year. <laughs> Every like December, January, it goes into overdrive on that. It does. And I always yeah. say, look, it's not a revolution. It's an evolution, right? It just continues to evolve like a tumbleweed bigger and bigger over time. So there's nothing special about what, what happens, but we see these trends continuing, especially in social media. We see organic reach going down more for companies. We see more companies, depending on paid social, where advertising acquisition goes up over time with more competition and people trust ads less and less. So the impact is less as well. We see that within social media, people are being attracted to certain niches. They're finding their own channels, right? It's not like the old days of TV where there were a few channels you tune into and everybody watched the same thing. Everybody is being influenced by someone different in social media, right? And this is where we see the, the rise of influencers. And when I talk about influencers, and we'll get into this more, Karen, and you know from reading my book, my, yeah. my definition is really broad because digital influences has truly, has truly been democratized. Media influence has been democratized. So I'm not just talking about one specific social network where you have to have X number of followers, but clearly we're seeing it going that way where if people are talking about you in social media, great, but if they're not, you need to incite word of mouth because word of mouth was the, it was the promise. It was the Holy grail of organic social media back in the day, but obviously it, it's not like it used to be. And really organically, it's very, very hard to make any traction and to really get people talking about your product. So if you need to make that happen, you need to collaborate with people that can help bring light to your product in social media. And that is the role that influencers play. And that is where, you know, uh, Karen, I know, hey, a book on influencer marketing, 99% of marketers probably roll their eyes. For that I, I, do you know what I did? I yeah. did. It, and it was only because you are who you are that I didn't send you a rude reply back and I'm too busy. I am on a mission to re-educate the 99% because they have been misled. They have been miseducated. They have been led by agencies that say you need to do this or by influencer marketplaces that were setting market prices yeah instead of brands getting away from this one-to-many spray and pray approach and actually saying huh we can actually reach out to these people ourselves get to know them and see how we might be able to collaborate with them i, I got a very distinct sense of that in reading the book the point that you know if you're beginning with this you can of course reach out to an agency but i think that what's amazing about the book is it actually gives you a, a really great blueprint that I think anybody could follow to actually do this stuff yourself. And actually, if we're building a relationship, why would we want someone else to build that relationship for us? Especially, you know, if it's with key influencers and, and, and bloggers that are, that are out there, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now, 
I talk about and, and obviously, Akira, when I when I talk about this, like recently at Social Media Marketing World, uh, my thoughts have even further progressed beyond the book. So mm-hmm. I'm ready for I'm ready for a follow up. But I talk about attention, right? So there's going to be this best practice, which I try to write about in my book. You know, develop relationships, what have you. But that takes a lot of time and resources, and it's more almost like a PR, a one-to-one relationship building effort than what marketers are used to. So marketers are not going to have the resources a lot of the time, and they're going to go back to their agency or they're going to go back to a marketplace. And there's going to be a tension between these two things. How do we scale these relationships and relationship building? And marketers always ask me, you can't because these are people, right? But if we go back to that 99-1, of the internet are, are, are lurkers, 9% engagers, 1% content creators, we're talking about the top 1%, right? You, you want to figure out a way to collaborate with them because they're not, they're not disappearing and they hold the key to all this. And when you use an agency that maybe doesn't do the right outreach, uh, brushes them the wrong way, or you engage with them the wrong way, they'll probably never want to work with you ever. Yeah. So these are the things to, to consider. Obviously, it's like anything in digital marketing. It's an onion. And once you unpeel one layer, you get to the next layer. And as you unpeel it, there's many facets to this. Uh, but it really does come down to, and, and Kieran, you had mentioned before we started relationship marketing, it really comes down to those relationships, but it's with an objective. It's obviously not just anyone and everyone. It's people with, with some sort of influence and it's guided towards some marketing objective that you have with a way that you can measure those relationships. I, I was telling you, I've been listening to his, his book as I've been walking my dog. We're in lockdown in the UK at the point of, uh, I'm allowed one walk a day. Uh, and, and and that's the thing that got me really excited. Gosh, influencer marketing is all about building relationships. And I've always seen great value in that. And, it, you know, you make some some really great analogies between one night stands and meaningful relationships. <laughs> I absolutely love that. You know, it's it's a great way of, of actually looking at this. Yeah. You know, I, I like to point out that why are businesses and brands and companies looking far and abroad with their binoculars on, trying to spot the giraffe in the in the wilderness or the tiger or the cougar that that has a million followers or 10 million followers. When these people don't know you, they may want to stay away from you. They may have had a bad brand experience. They may be working with your competitors. When you have people around you that can support you, right? When you have, you know, we we won't talk about employee advocacy because a lot of those programs fail because they didn't treat employees as influencers. They treated them as people that will automatically authorize their accounts and share any and every message that a brand wants to get out there. So when you treat employees and customers and fans and ecosystem partners and followers, when, when you treat them as influencers because they love the brand, they want to do more with you and you create a program that allows them to do more with you and you create this win-win relationship it's only going to add, you know, there's a relationship marketing aspect. There's also a loyalty marketing aspect to this where you can really leverage that and let those people who are already your customers do the talking for you rather than people that have never known you that do do things very transactionally because they're in it for the money. And every day they're talking about a different brand, right? That's, that, that's almost like the traditional celebrity endorsement model where, you know, I see Shaquille O'Neal, you know, former pro basketball player getting into a Buick a car. Um, I'm never going to buy a Buick just because Shaquille O'Neal. Now, if he was talking about his latest line of t-shirts or shoes, that's another story. So when we, when we, you know, when we talk about people that have influence at, at the, the lower level that don't have as many followers, but have, it's usually more niche. And 
the riches are in the niches, right? It, it actually makes it easier to align your brand with someone like that when you find them. So these are the things we, we, we talk about and some of the things that the smart brands are starting to figure out. I love that you, you highlight the whole celebrity endorsement, which is a model that goes back you know, many, many years, uh, celebrity endorsing products to kind of grow it. But, and, and I think a lot of businesses have just sort of taken that because it's a model they know and understand. And they just go after influencers with huge numbers. And I think for me, that's where it very often goes wrong. It, it, because it, those people, yeah, so I've got, you know, 10 million followers on, you know, whatever platform. That doesn't mean I've got 10 million engaged followers at all. In fact, probably the level of engagement with the majority of those is, is very, very, you know, transient and nice touch. They're not really going to influence me. But the other thing that I've always felt strongly is that there's no correlation between the amount of influence somebody has and the amount of money that I've thrown in their direction. You know, and and yeah, a lot of marketers seem to think, well, you know, we've spent a lot of money, and, and this is where, for me, it all went horribly wrong. I was working for um, one a brand, uh, I won't name them, but they were throwing money at influencers, lots of followers on on Instagram, and you know, you know, many thousands of pounds being thrown at, at the opportunity to get like one post and a mention, and I I started in sales, so I can see. No, the the reality is we get nothing back from from that. You know, it's 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 just a constant stream of stuff that they're churning out, and you can see. You know, I think for those kind of level of influence, very often the writing's on the wall. They've over monetized, overexposed them themselves, and they don't really have. I I don't believe as much influence as people maybe give them credit for. How, what are some of the common pitfalls you see uh, brands falling into when they when they embark on these? Yeah, that would be sort of the number one. Um, I, I think the two challenges when you look at a lot of the, the surveys and the data out there are measuring the ROI of this. And if you're just chasing vanity metrics, there is no ROI. So no wonder why you're, you you didn't start with a strategy, you started with a tactic. So I like to point out, and this is something uh, I, I've become a big podcast listener myself over the last year. And one of my favorites is Pat Flynn. And um, he quotes, I believe it's Tim Ferriss who originated, but you know, what would success look like? If you were to work with this influencer and it was successful, what would make you happy? Is it seeing a thousand likes on a post make you happy? Fine. Most marketers I know are not going to go back to the CMO or CEO and, and tell them the success of a program because they got lots of likes, right? Um, they'll be kicked out of that boardroom pretty quickly. So you know that's number one, right? But number two is working with the right influencers. And I know it's going to be weird to hear, but if we have this 90-91 where 1% are true content creators, so of the billion Instagram users, that's 10 million users. Of the 500 million users on LinkedIn, that's, that's 5 million people, right? It's a lot of people, right? So it's not just in this industry, we can only work with one or two or three people. There's a lot of people that we can be working with. And when you think about it this way, I'm not going to say that influencers are a commodity, but I will say there's a lot of people that can help you. And it is a best practice. If we put our digital marketing caps on, it's all about A-B testing. And when you get to influencers, it comes down to A-B testing influencer against influencer because every influencer is going to perform differently. With social media advertising, you have Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, what have you. Within each of those networks, like Facebook, you can build tons of custom audiences and tons of lookalike audiences and just spend all day A-B testing with text and image, what have you. Influencer marketing is no different. So if you just think you work with one person and you do a campaign, that's it. That's not it. It's working with a number of people and it's actually getting the data. It's like the first time you did social media ads, you didn't have any baseline unless you were doing Google ads when you had a baseline, but you need to do more. You need to experiment more to get data 
to be able to understand how you perform. Because some of these very advanced influencer marketing tools will predict how well your campaign will do because they have that first party data, what they call it. And you need, your brand needs to get that data. And the only way to get it is by working with influencers. Like I said, not just one with a group. And what's going to happen over time is you're going to find a group of influencers that perform way better than the others. It's the 80-20 rule, right? And you're going to keep working with them long-term and you're always going to be recruiting new influencers. And those that didn't work so well, you're probably not going to work with them again. No hard feelings, but that's the sort of mindset because we know the data suggests that influencer marketing can be very profitable. We know brands like Estee Lauder, right? 75% of marketing budget is in working with influencers. We know compared to your traditional ad campaigns that influencer marketing is long-term. The content lives on where your ads, they're on, they're off. We know that if we can work long-term with influencers, we truly have a chance of converting them into brand advocates. And what that means is we don't even have to ask them and they will be talking about our brand all the time. That's what we're trying to get out here. And that's where you see tremendous ROI that lives on for way longer than when they publish that post. And the only way to get that is through a long-term program. I talk about it in the book, but I met a brand manager for a new line of cosmetics at the APAC headquarters of a big, actually a European consumer packaged um, uh, goods brand. And literally the, the brand manager said, if we don't, and they were based in Singapore, they were aiming for the Southeast Asian market where influencer marketing is probably the most advanced in the world outside of China. And literally, if I don't use influencer marketing, how do I get the word out about my product? They were even talking about training. They found great micro-influencers to work with. They were fans of the brand. They weren't the best content creators. They were going to create a training program for content creators on how to create better content. These are brands that are actually investing in people to teach them how to become better content creators. This is the type of program that I'm talking about that is going to deliver immense ROI because in the times of coronavirus, when you help people out, they're going to remember you. When you say, sorry, we can't cancel your trip because of whatever regulation, they're never going to do business with you again. So I know, I don't know when this is going to be published, but I think it's a reminder that this is a great time to be teaching people, to be helping people and to be developing relationships because you can do them digitally with social distancing. So there's never been a better time. I'm not saying you need to launch influencer campaigns or a program right now, but in terms of building the infrastructure and developing the program and the relationships, time is a precious currency. We always talk about never having enough time to do things. We should all have lots of time now. And the smart businesses are going to come out with a competitive advantage, those that actually spend the time investing and doing exactly what we're talking about karen it's, it's a great model for any content marketing isn't it but i think you know it works particularly well when you're trying to build meaningful relationships with individuals or an audience you, you know you, a good relationship we all know is is built on doing things for people rather than doing things to people are there any great kpis or, or things to measure that, that in your opinion help get an effective campaign off to a good start Well, I think influencer marketing should be considered, uh, obviously, a a line item on the marketing budget, and it should be measured the same. So with my clients, and I I have my own agency as well, it's cost per action, right? We invest this much, what do we get out of it? Whether it is a click-through, whether it is an email subscription, whether it is a lead, whether it is a sale, we can measure these things. And we can compare them apples and apples. You mean we can't just sort of roll our eyes aggressively at anybody that questions it and just say it's brand building? It's brand building? Well, brand awareness. 
is where you start, right? So I'm not going to say. Well, I think I mean, we should know, outlaw that now. It's like, no, yeah, absolutely. You can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, if you work in PR, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the greatest respect for, yeah. for PR. Yeah. People that work in PR, we love you. <laughs> yeah, there, there, is a role. there is a role for just, I just want to get massive brand awareness. I just want to brand awareness in a niche community. There is something to be said for that, right? But I would want to measure that brand awareness, not by engagements, but by actually visits of a website, by actual follows to your profile, what have you. So, but I think the other side is, Karen, and this is what's really evolved since I wrote the book, which I know it sounds weird, but working with a traditional publisher, these books are written well in advance, is the emergence of not thinking of influencers as content amplifiers, but remembering that influencers at the heart are content creators and they're excellent content creators in visual fields a lot of the time where brands are really bad at, right? The TikToks, the Instagrams, the YouTubes, the stories. So with that in mind, we now see brands that are working with influencers. Sure, the content amplification is great, but more for the content creation. We'll send you product. You create great lifestyle photography. We'll sign a contract and there's platforms out there that allow you to do that. We'll use your content. We'll tag you, but we'll use your content for all of our social media. In fact, we'll use your content for our social media ads because data shows they're going to perform better. In fact, you know what? We'll use your content on our website, on our product pages of leveraging UGC, user-generated content, but more from influencers or or influencer-generated content where you get a little extra bang for your buck. And maybe some people recognize the name of that person. And we can use influencer content throughout the marketing funnel. And that's where it gets really exciting. Then it's like, well, why am I hiring this agency to do this video shoot or this photo shoot when I can work with an influencer who creates similar content? Probably going to be cheaper, but you're also going to be developing a relationship. And it's funny because there was one company where I mentioned this to, and they go, they create like a video editing tool. They're like, oh my God, we have a video studio in Silicon Valley. I'm like, dude, uh, open that up. Any any influencer creating video content would love to get access to a professional video studio. That is, they don't need product. That's what they want. Give it to them. Open it up. Bring them in, right? And these are the types of things. What can brands offer? In, there's so many things when you think about it, you can offer them above and beyond just a, a monetary transaction. So I know I went a little bit off topic there, but these, but, but, but content cost, right? Cost per action, um, in addition to look at your content, who's producing your content, how much is it costing? And then compare that with working with influencers is another great KPI to look at. And maybe for those of you that started this conversation, rolling your eyes, but you've been brave enough and I applaud you for listening this far into the podcast, start working with influencers just for content creation and go from there. And you take a very broad view of what an influencer is. Just just share that with the audience because I think this might help if anybody's still rolling their eyes. Now, when we're not talking about you know uber popular people necessarily they can be quite niche well you know influence has been democratized so it, it all comes down to who if they publish content on social media has followers and gets engagement from those followers from a relationship or from whatever subject that they're publishing so you know i think over the last decade we've been led to believe by mass media and by uh, agencies, not all agencies are, are saying this, but, but some have. And I've, I've worked with a business author and they were working with an agency 
that was helping him with his Facebook and Twitter. And all of a sudden they started pushing these lifestyle influencers on him when he, when he's trying to reach out to, you know, CMOs that are probably in, in their forties and fifties um, at fortune 500 companies worldwide. And there was just a complete mismatch. So there's always going to be people pushing this as a product, as a solution. And when they do that, wow, look at the number of followers these people have. And then you have marketplaces will hook you up with someone that has, ten, you know, it's just about that number, but it's about influence. Studies have shown the greater number of followers you have, the less percent of engagement you get because you get too broad. People follow people they don't know on social media because they're going to learn something from them. They're going to get inspired. They're interested in something they're doing. So the influencers we see today that are not celebrities, because a lot of influencers, when I go to their, you know, people that have millions of followers, they're like models. They're now, you know, on TV. These are celebrities now, celebrity influencers, but they're just like those traditional celebrity endorsements. But when we work with the true influencers today, they're usually niche down where they talk about a certain topic and they own a community that's very, very interested in that niche topic. So we have just a patchwork of fragmented audiences now that we didn't used to have. And this is where influencer value comes into play. So it's really about thinking more niche. And even in the influencer marketing industry, because influencer fraud is a big issue, the smaller you get, the less chance that that person has actually bought you know, followers, that they've actually are buying engagement, that they're engaging in 1,000 Instagram pods a day to try to get engagement and comments, right? Um, and more niche. They're more in tune with their community. They get greater engagement per post. So instead of working with one person with a million followers, probably working with 10 people with 100,000 followers or 20 people with 50,000 followers that are tied into your niche inevitably you're going to be more successful. This is sort of the conclusion the industry has come to. And that's why in influencer marketing, we talk more about micro-influencers or nano-influencers. And nano-influencers said to have between 1,000 and 10,000 followers. So then you look at your employees, you look at your customers, you look at your own fans, and you begin to say, wow, that's, there's a lot of people out there that we already know that have 1,000 followers. Why not start there? And that's the other premise of the book. Are there any tools that you use to just sort of dig beneath the, the top level social media metrics that are that are so easily spoofed like how do you how do you kind of take a look at engagement from from audiences when you when you're picking influencers well i, I think that at the end of the day you're not going to know how they're going to perform right and unless you work together with them and you have a way to measure it one of the more popular ways we've always had affiliate marketing which yes affiliate marketing is a type of influencer marketing right? Because these people have digital influence. Um, and it may be in Google or maybe on the internet and not on Instagram, but it's still digital influence or people that have big lists. So now it's saying, well, how do I track that? Or, you know, you have affiliates that'll do that. How do I convert an influencer into an affiliate? Well, you give them a discount code that they can share with their community. You give them commission and you track the code. And this is just the easiest way to be able to work with influencers. And it becomes a win-win-win for them for the community and for you, and you can track all this. Yeah. So I, I would not want to work with influencers unless it was something that I could track or that I could somehow measure if there was success, how many of these people were successful. Yeah, suck it and see, right? Yeah, it's. I go back to my days in Japan where learning about the Deming Circle, for those not familiar, plan, do, check, act. Um, this is all an experiment, and this is something that Professor Edwards Deming considered the godfather of quality control. Uh, he created to manage experiments, and, and this is all an experiment. You don't know how you're going to perform until you do it, right? and this goes for everything in digital marketing. So you create a plan, you do, you check, and you act upon it, and you optimize in this never-ending 
circle of Kaizen. And that's the only way you get better and better and better at your ROI. It's this con- continual testing. And it begins the first time you do this, it's one grand experiment. But I tell marketers, turn the clock back 10 years ago when you didn't have budget for social media marketing. What did you do? Right? And your, your people above you thought you were crazy. You know, this has no, right? Yeah. Or when advertising got big, why do we have to pay to play? I, I'll never forget uh, an interview with Michael Steltzner on his podcast, Social Media Examiner. Um, you know, why would marketers want to advertise on social media? This is back like in 2013. Well, you know, nobody asks that question anymore. So it's, it's the same thing. Start with 1% of your budget, put it into something measurable, build relationships, and go from there. And I guarantee you those relationships are going to help you in a number of different ways. They're going to help you better understand your market. You might get some customer experience data. Uh, you might get some content ideas. You might be able to get some user-generated content in addition to the other benefits you can get. So just like with social media and all its intangible benefits, working with influencers gives you a similar type of intangible benefit. Well, Neil, thank you so much for, for, for that insight. We're going to, guys, I can't rate this book highly enough i really really enjoyed this in fact i go as far as to say i really needed to read this book because i've been feeling quite jaded and actually if you listen to some of the content we've been putting out on on influencer marketing this this was great neil if we want to find out more about your work uh this book you know where should we go what should we do sure uh well my name is neil schaefer wherever on the internet on on social media so neilschaefer.com i also have my own uh, podcast, not quite as famous as this one, but it's called Maximize Your Social Influence if, if you want to uh, learn more about my concept of influencer marketing. And uh, yeah, my book is The Age of Influence. It's available uh, anywhere and everywhere. So I hope that you all check that. And I do want to say, Karen, one last thing. My reaching out to you was part of my own influencer marketing campaign for my book. So I could pay an influencer $5,000 to hold a picture of my book and get lots of likes and hope that something happens. <laughs> or I can work with someone that obviously has a track record is someone that's well respected in a community of people that I want to try to influence. So this is another great example of influencer marketing. And for those of you listening, podcasters have tremendous influence. I've learned myself, you know, how many websites and small businesses get 500, 1000 views for every time they publish a blog post every week? Probably not that many, but when you work with podcasters, that's the reach that they have. And that reach is not a one or two minute on site reach. It's a listening for 20, 30 minutes. So I know that we haven't even talked about the, the, the influencer marketing side of podcasting, Karen, and maybe that's an episode uh, in the future, but that's something that I've been looking into and, and finding that it's extremely uh, attractive market for brands to uh, work with as well. Absolutely. People that listen to podcasts really listen to podcasts <laughs> like you're in yep. their ears uh, a lot, for, to, for which I apologize, listeners. <laughs> sorry do our best we do our best um well fantastic well neil thank you so much for for taking the time to speak to us and we wish you the best of luck with with the book thank you karen i wish everybody the best of luck with their influencer programs as well thanks very much for listening to the digital marketing podcast if you want to continue your learning in digital marketing get over to targetinternet.com and sign up for the free trial of our digital marketing e-learning platform. There's over 140 bite-sized courses for you to try and lots of other learning resources as well. So get on there and sign up for the free trial.